ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. Coming up a little later, we'll visit with Ralph Malbro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast and WWL TV. We're going to chat with Raging, excuse me, Raging Cajun head coach Bob Marlin about the Cajuns' win last night at the Cajun Dome. The latest in UL hoops in the eight o'clock hour. But right now, as promised, joining me now is Rage Cajun analyst, alum, former football defensive end, Chris Alano. Chris, good morning, man. How are you? Hey, Scott. How you doing, bud? I'm good. I'm good. I want to talk to you a little bit about Cajun football and the um, the the win on Friday night against Ab State, which. I know, man, you know, uh, judging from social media and, and, and some of your response, some folks, I, I felt like maybe thought that they lost the game. Uh, it was like, I was like, my good, there's this weird, there's this weird mixture of emotions, right? It was, well, they won the game and they beat App. So folks were happy about that. Then they were critical of Billy, even though, you know, look, and that's fine. You know, we, I talked to him on Monday and, and had some questions for him, but I felt like some were like, I mean, it's like, guys, you, you, you're you getting pretty extreme here. Like, my goodness, like they won. And then yet a lot of those same folks were really excited with Saturday night. He said, we're moving forward with Louisiana. In other words, I'm not going anywhere. So it's kind of like, all right, how are you feeling emotionally now uh, five days removed, Chris? Because I know you were, you were pretty emotional on Friday night. You know, going to your interview with, with Billy, you know, good job with that interview. You asked some pretty tough questions, credit to you. And I was trying to read in between the tea leaves of what he was saying and uh, found that pretty remarkable uh, with some, a few of his responses. But anyways, going back to the game on Friday, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say pretty emotional. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, 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 it was one of those nights where just, you know, it, it's, it's like – I'm looking at it. I'm analyzing it. Not only just as someone as who has done color commentary in the past couple of seasons, but as a former player and just things that we have done back when I played, I know that we have practiced that I think could have been, let's just say implemented uh, on Friday night. And uh, it, it could have been, um, it could have been used to, I guess, par the course to win the football game. And we'll get more into that later on. But isn't there another, I mean, is there another game that just about represents 2020 more than the one we saw last Friday? I mean, my goodness. And, and you know, it's funny. There were two safeties in that game, a missed extra point, and we had a normal score of 24 yeah. points. Yeah, can you believe uh, that? <laughs> it was like a normal score, 24-21, and you had all these extra, you know, just you know, these events that you typically do not see during a football game. But, you know, it, it was unbelievable. It, you know, a win is a win. That's really all that matters at this point in the season, late in the season. Because when you're this late in the season, you're just about who you – what you show on the field at this point is basically who you are. You know, you're not going to get much better. You're not going to get much worse. You know, you are who you are. So you, the important thing is you come away with a W – and we basically set the stage in a couple of weeks for a huge, uh, which I make the case it's the biggest Sun Belt game in the history of the conference in a couple of weeks over at Coastal Carolina. Yeah, there's we're going to get into that. There's a lot on the line now. Um, you know, one of the things that I asked Billy about, obviously on Monday, was the intentional safety, and 
He did reference one thing in that he said, you know, sometimes you have a few days to think about something. Um, any any thoughts changed from you on their dis- that, that? Here's what I'll say before I toss it to you. I mean, look, I, I found it confounding as well. But judging from the pulse of, of, of the bulk of the reaction of um, they should have done this or they should have done that, whatever it might be, not with with one with 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 one exception, and and I know you're going to explain it in terms of everybody hold their man, but in terms of well they should have pooched or they should have tried it again. I feel like everyone was saying if you do this, this would have happened, but every one of the expectations was like best case scenario, and let's be honest. To that point, Chris, in terms of trying to punt the ball on. On Friday night, it was it was far from best case scenario. Most of the time, it was worst case scenario. So I'll just that's my only counter argument in terms of everyone that's saying they should have done this or he should have done that, and that usually the explanation is this would have happened. Well, this in their mind is best case scenario, and that just it just wasn't what was unfolding. So that's all I'll say. I know you got a lot of thoughts on it, and 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 really haven't changed your mind at all. Um, after, you know, a couple of days to sit on it. But why why are you still, you know, as critical as many are about that decision? Well, let, let's lay the foundation first to the viewers who are listening in just of why there are some that may be upset with me close to the university of what I may have said or, in this case, typed on Friday night. And that is when I saw the safety and it, it caught me off guard, you know, my initial reaction right away, and, and, and I expressed this on my social media page, that I didn't think it was smart. It, it was, And five days later, guess what? I still don't think it was smart. But that's just my opinion. And so what if that's my opinion? So, you know, and looking back at it, and, you know, I'm glad you mentioned best-case scenario. Well, let's look at the worst-case scenario. And what I was hoping that we would do in that particular situation First of all, I think Coach Napier was absolutely correct. You can't put the punt team back out there. And there's a point that he made that I'm glad he pointed that he made it clear in your interview because I thought about it too, just from understanding the game when I played. If if there were a bad snap, Reese Burns would not have the luxury of just kicking it out of the end zone if the ball was still in play because then the other opponent would have possession of where he right. picked it. He would have just to, right. to, to so that, that's very important. That's he would have had right. He would have had to pick it up and run into the end zone to take right. it. Right. Exactly. And I think a no lot guarantee. of fans did not understand that. And so right. Billy's Coach Napier, he's absolutely correct. You, you can't put the punt team out there because uh Paul Boutreau, God bless his heart, uh the guy was shot. It, I, it, at that point it was one hundred percent mental he was done. You just gotta you gotta get through it and wait till the you know the good thing. Good thing is now he has a couple weeks to finally uh, just get over that psychologically because that's all in his head. Now going back to what I was hoping to see happen, you've got a four year senior in Levi Lewis who's probably the most athletic player on the field. I, I would have liked to have seen him step back. And kick it from you know under his own will, and what and you talk about best case worst case scenario. The best case scenario, he kicks it about twenty twenty five yards in the air, and with no return man that Appalachian State would have had because they would not have been prepared for it, it would have rolled let's just say another five to ten yards. 
And that's and that's a perfect situation for our defense to be in with Appalachian State having to score a touchdown at that point uh, to win the uh, right to win that point because we were up by five. Now, worst case scenario, he shanks it, and let's say it goes 10, 15 yards. To me, that's still a better option than giving up two points and having to kick the ball further back into your territory where now you can almost, for Appalachian State, you eliminate 25 yards on the field because they don't have to get into the end zone. Can I, can I, can I, present, can I present a quick counter? Do you, think yeah, that's, do you think that's truly worst-case scenario there, though? I mean, I don't know. Like, I, a guy that doesn't kick punting a, a wet ball in the freezing cold. I don't know if yeah, worst-case scenario is God, a let's, let's, be, let's be real with ourselves. How many times, we, you know, as kids, we just go in the backyard, like, oh, I'm going to punt it to you, and, you know, I kick it to you. You just, Scott, sometimes you just be an athlete. Just be an athlete, and he's an athlete. And, and I trust, you know, it's one thing if he's a freshman or a sophomore, you know, he's got the – he may not have the experience of being on the field, and he's just not mature enough. But Levi Lewis, in my mind, the way I looked at it, and I thought about it at the time, he's a four-year senior. You know, you know, he's a bright individual. He can figure it out. And that, 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 that's just my take, Scott. And it's okay to have that take. It really is. It's fine. And, and, and I'm, you know, Billy Napier, he, did, he decided to take a safety. You know, he's the one that has to ultimately make that decision. He's in the foxhole. That's fine, too. It's great. And you know what? It worked out for us. We won the football game. I was just hoping we would go with that option because you're playing at state. It's Appalachian State. They've had our number. They are still the gold standard, in my opinion, in this league, despite what had happened this year. And I just felt like, Given it, Appalachia State, you're playing on their home territory. It's Zach Thomas's last game. He's going to find a way to get the ball down the field to give his team an opportunity to either extend the football game or win, in which they did. They, they got down. They had a great opportunity to kick a field goal, and he shanked it. He shanked it. And good for us. We won the ball game. That's all that matters. We got to get the hell out of there. Thank goodness. And, you know, we can now prepare two weeks for our Coastal Carolina football program. But Now, but going back to the actual safety that we did that, you know, you had mentioned that we were going to talk a little bit more in depth about, I, if you're going to do that, which we did, I was also disappointed. Now, this is the former player in me, okay? The former player in me was just so disappointed to see that we did not execute that play well. As a matter of fact, we executed it poorly, very poorly. And I say that because... Every Friday, you know, I could still hear Coach Jenkins, you know, yelling this and, and it's echoing in my, in my head. All right, prior team, prior team, line up, you know, back in the end zone, take a safety, everybody tackle your man. And we practice that every week throughout camp, throughout the fall. You know, we were ready for a situation like that. And I know Coach, uh, Coach Napier and his coaching staff, they have prepared their guys for a situation like that as well. Maybe not with the offense, with the punt team, but you have to echo that to your offensive line and to your wide receivers and your tight ends and your running backs, you know, because they're going to, or ultimately the ones that are going to be put into that situation. Tackle your man, hold them. There should have been laundry all over that field. Not only every flag, but every official's hat should have been on that field as well. Because if you look at the very end of the game, uh, I got to go back to it, but I think it was four seconds left for Appalachian State when they got the field goal off. Now, of course, obviously all that changes. They take more shots down the field. But an extra 10 to 15 seconds Levi would have had into that end zone, just running around, scampering around, that's critical in a situation like that. And I was so disappointed. 
you know, if you go back, I don't really think we made much of an effort to even block our guys because we just assumed, okay, we're going to take the safety. That's the game plan. And I think, you know, you're, you're playing at state. You can't make any mistakes like this to beat a good team. You know, you got, you know, you, it, it's your fundamentals. And I just felt like because I practiced that, we practiced that back in the day, just the former player in me was just so disappointed to see. But, hey, you know, it's a it's a learning curve. You know, uh, it's it's a situation that you, myself, Coach Napier, or anybody, we've never seen the likes of anything like that in our entire lives. As far as with having to alter our game plan because we are struggling, just snapping the football in a special team situation, whether that's field goals or punts. I mean, Scott, I, I've never seen that before, and that that, that was that was totally bonk. I mean, it was totally twenty twenty. It was. So, hey, it worked out well. We won the football game. You know, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for being critical on Friday, you know, about the and that's, that's the player in me just speaking out and just analyzing the football game. And I, I guarantee you have grown men, in, you know, in that locker room in, in, with the coaches or players or anybody that's said, they don't care about that either. So what? Who cares? We won the football game. There are, there's been so many times when, I, when I've seen people just dogging Coach Napier, and I felt like I was the only one, you know, in his defense, you know, going against that entire arsenal of, of social media. Like, man, I, I think he's done a really good job. I thought the play calling was excellent. I don't know what you guys are talking about. So I've been on both sides. I've been very even keel throughout my entire course since I've taken over at this analyst uh, job. I know I'm taking off this year because of COVID, but, and, I, and I try to be that way. I owe it to myself. I owe it to the people who follow me. I'm going to be as honest as I can. It's not be me being critical. I'm not being uh, m- malicious in any of that matter. I'm just analyzing the football game from the way that I see it. It's just my perspective. ESPN1420.com, uh, Chris Lano, our guest, Rage Occasion analyst. Um, you know, uh, Coach has done a-, a phenomenal job, obviously, and – He'll be the first football coach in UL history that won't be fired. Um, ultimately, he's, <laughs> I think he's going to be coaching somewhere else. Uh, and I, I can't say that for a fact. I mean, I, I, let's just say the modern era. I, I can't go back to, you know, the, the, the war days or anything like that. I don't, have, I don't have those stats in front of me or in the back of my head either. But, you know, in the modern era, he'll be the first one. He's got it set up. I know folks are excited he's back. And, you know, truth be told, he'll – be the first one to admit, you know, I, I could have done a better job. I could have coached better. I made some mistakes here and there. Like, like I think the fact that he was still is still adamant that he made the right decision is fine because it doesn't bother me that he feels that way because he's a guy that will also point out when he does make a mistake or something. Or, you know, when I asked him about, hey, look, the third and two call before the intentional safety when Levi threw it away, but the opponent only has one timeout left and it's late in the game and you can make him burn it, do you talk to him in that situation and say, hey, look, if you have to, if the pass isn't there, just take the sack? And he said, you know what, that's a good point. You know, that's something we could have done. Like, he's not one He's not one of these guys. Like, he knows a lot more about football than me, obviously. And, 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 and it, I would say maybe everybody listening, or certainly the vast majority, and yet he's not a guy that is, if you ask him something, going to be like, you know what? That's awful. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. If if he feels that way, he won't word it that way because you know he's classy. But he'll let you know, like you know, that's I don't I don't agree with that. I I I stand by what I did. But he'll also point out at times when it's like, 
look, I, I yeah, sure, that's a fair point. And, and he's also a guy, Chris, that I appreciate that will take responsibility. You know, it's like when he releases his statement Friday about essentially staying put at UL, um, he doesn't, he, you know, he, he makes sure to mention everybody. Like when the times are good, he wants to include everyone. And, you know, whenever it's, it's something that is perceived as a bad decision or if it's a loss or something, he likes to kind of put it on him. You know, whether it be uh, Nate Snyder and his struggles kicking earlier in the year before the game winner, of course. But he would, he would, you know, he would like to change the subject and point to things he could have done better. Or same thing with Paul Boudreaux this past week. Those are just examples of it. But I like a head coach that isn't going to throw anyone under the bus and isn't going to take all the credit when the times are good. And I, I think there's a reason that, you know, all these players in the program talk about how, you know, how much they love playing for him. I think that's a big part of it and a big strength of his as a head coach. It's something that when Les Miles was the head coach at LSU, I know that he probably stayed there a bit longer than he should have. And yet, having said that, he had a lot of success. And he took a lot of heat, right? A lot of heat. He never, ever put the blame on anyone else when maybe at times it was the coordinator's fault or something else. He never did that. And that's something that in any coach at any level, I'm always going to respect. No, he's a leader of men. And going back to when I had the opportunity to meet him, uh, Michael Desimo took me under his wing in the athletic complex, and I had my wife with me and my uh, my son with me at the time. And uh, it just, you know, he's showing me around. I think it might have been the first time I've been around in the complex, to be honest with you. And, and Mike takes me upstairs, and you know, the coaches are working. It was some. I might have been in the spring, if I remember, or maybe the summer when workouts were going on, and he gives me an opportunity to meet Coach Napier. And, and just an upstanding gentleman. And I remember my wife, she was just so, in a way, she was just kind of starstruck about it. And, I, and you know, I kind of felt that way, too. I really did. And, you know, <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I was telling my wife, you know, as I left, you know, I was probably uh, just as starstruck about meeting Michael Decimo. <laughs> but, Anyways, going back to uh, Coach Napier, it's just he, he's a leader of men. You know, he's a, he's just an upstanding gentleman. And I think the most glaring uh, point that you made is the one that I appreciate the most is when after he does these interviews, well, I say I, I say interviews plural. I mean, we don't know if he's done more than one, but the one he did with South Carolina, you know, he really talks about you know it, it's a reflection of his staff of the success that he has received, and I think that that just that, I hope that resonates you know, with his players and his coaching staff. And it should. I mean, it resonates with his fans. It resonates with me you know, because he's so willing to give all these others. And you're starting to see others uh, amongst the staff get other opportunities, you know, with the linebackers coach now being the defensive coordinator. Help me out. Help me out, Scott. I believe it was at Southern Miss he took the job. So, you know, yeah. his uh, – it, Right. Strong, yeah. Correct? Coach Armstrong, yeah. That is correct. Yeah, so you're you're seeing his staff. You know, they're they're getting there's there's an eyeball on those guys as well. And because I think he's just so open to admitting that it's a reflection of how well his staff has put this program together. It's not just him. Although you know we want to give him most of the credit. You know, he is the guy that is going to credit everybody else before him. And uh, as as just a fan and just as a former player. You know, as just a Cajun alum, I'm just so proud of that and just the way he carries himself uh, going forward. And, uh, you know, I'm so blessed to just have him for another season as of right now. I mean, we don't know what can happen within the next couple of weeks, but I tell you what, you know, personally, Scott, 
and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this. It's just a personal little take of mine. I wasn't as happy to see him not accept the South Carolina job because he remains our head coach. That is a big part of it. I want him to stay with us. I just want him to get the right job. And I was so worried about the South Carolina job. If you look at their history, you know, Steve Spurrier, I believe, I looked the stat up the other day. It, it might have been either 10 wins. Yeah. Back to I mean, back. he's their most successful See, coach right. ever. And he, he, he right. couldn't and you even go get back him to a then, No one's ever yeah. received 10 wins in South Carolina history. Yeah. So it, it, it doesn't bode well in terms of his success, you know, that he may, he may or may not have at South Carolina. And, and, and just as a fan of him, as the person, I want. I think he deserves something better. I want. I want something better for him. And yet, and, you and know what? If he, what if he, with uh, everybody else, ESPN fourteen twenty. And yet, if he, you know, does something in a game you don't agree with, you're still going to speak your mind. And I appreciate that, Chris Lano, uh, our guest. All right, let's before we let you run, let's talk about these college football playoff rankings. Um, there is a lot of angst and uh, anger and 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 just. You know, fans of G5 schools that have had success this year all PO'd. Uh, I, I, I'm not surprised about any of it. Not surprised about the backlash from the fans that feel like they're being left out. And I'm certainly not surprised at all about the college football playoff doing what they're doing. Coastal Carolina is only up to number 13 despite being undefeated with wins over BYU, with wins over a ranked Louisiana team that beat, oh, Iowa State, who's 12 spots ahead of them despite the fact that you all beat them by 17. And then Iowa State fans will say, oh, that was three months ago. Well, two months ago, Iowa State beat Oklahoma by seven. It's, it's not like they're going to say, well, don't count that one. I mean, everyone, no one looks at the total body of work just because it's 2020 and things are different. I think this hope or this idea that some had that maybe just maybe this is a year where, you know, someone from the G5 can can break through because of the oddity of the year. The college football playoff committee is not going to do that. They're just not. I mean, Cincinnati could finish undefeated and they're as high as seventh. I think they will find a reason not to put them in there. Everyone, I mean, there are a lot. You mentioned South Carolina. There are folks out there that believe they would crush Coastal Carolina. Not, no. Not even close. The Sun Belt's 3-0 against the Big 12 this year. I'm not sitting here telling you that one of them would beat Ohio State. I'm not. But, but this idea that they're not going to beat some of the best teams or the better teams, again, Iowa State, best team in the Big 12. You all beat them by 17 points. And if you look across the board and, and where these teams are ranked, and the Cajuns coming at 19th in the college football playoff rankings, that's about what I expected. I thought I thought they I actually actually you know what it's actually a little better than what I thought the committee would do. Um, BYU back at eighteen, Cincinnati back at eight, right? And now they don't get to play Tulsa this week, but they'll play them a week later in the conference championship game. But, you know this 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 idea that somehow um, they would rank someone higher. Iowa State as high as seven, a spot ahead of an undefeated Cincinnati team. When Iowa State lost to. Louisiana, who's lost less games at 19. I just, nothing about any of it surprises me at all, Chris. I know folks are disappointed, and, and I get it. I guess I would be disappointed if I was expecting anything different. The college football playoff committee is always going to gear toward the Blue Bloods, always going to gear toward the P5s, and not just the P5s, but the more marquee schools in the group of five. They're always going to do it. I mean, if Ohio State was 6-1 and one and not Indiana, they'd probably still be sitting there at like 5 or 6. And Indiana's a team in, 
you know, the Big Ten. So they're always going to lean that way. Nothing about it surprises me. At this point, if you're the Cajuns, just try to win out. Beat Coastal Carolina a week from Saturday. Win the Sun Belt. Win a bowl game. Finish with 11 wins. Finish ranked in the human polls somewhere in the top 15, and you'll you'll have a great season. But if you're listening and you're still bitter and mad and upset and losing sleep over the college football playoff rankings, it's not in your control. It never was in your control. And you could do everything right, and it's still not going to break you into the top 10 or get you into a college football playoff or anything like that. It's just not going to do it. The system is not set up that way. No, I mean, the best analogy that I could think of, uh, you know, of Tinder, you know, the, the, the date site, Tinder app. Yes. I'm not, I, mean, I, I know. I, 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 what, what are my coworkers you know, used to you, you use? Know it quite of a bit. It. <laughs> yeah. To you be clear, app, to be right? clear. I've never, I've never used it, but I know what it is. Right. I'm but you know, for, the app. So our, for our viewers, you know, Tinder app, you know, the, a face shows up on, on the site and you swipe right. If you are physically attracted to that person or you swipe left, if you're not physically attracted and I guess the person on the other side, if they swipe right as well, then there's a connection. Anyways, that's the college football playoff committee. You know, it's a Tinder. It's a, it's a bunch of college kids using Tinder, whether it's all about brand recognition. If they like the way you look, they swipe right. If they don't, they swipe left. They don't do much research. They don't go on dates with these with these uh, with, 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 with these college programs. You know, it's swipe right. If you look good, swipe left. If they just don't give a damn about you. So really, it's just, and you know, I, I'm worried about the current state of college football. I think it's becoming too college football playoff happy to where nothing else matters. You know, I, I, I miss the pageantry of the bowl seasons back in the early, in the early 21st century. You know, the new the New Year's Day bowls were such a big thing for us growing up. You remember that Scott back in the 90s, in the early uh, 2000s, and it was you know, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl. It was such a big day for all of us when we all got together with our families on new year's day i feel like we're just getting away from that and you know you know going back to your point about iowa state i'm okay with iowa state ranked ahead of the cages i really am that that's fine and you know i i if 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 it were up to me i would probably put them ahead of you will at this point but the gap disparity between the two i don't agree with we there's no reason they should be that high and we should be that low either we should be a little higher, the closer to the gap between the two schools, or they should be a little bit lower. That's that's my only issue with that. But um, you know, you only got one more week left in the season, and I just, I, I mean, Scott, there's really nothing much more to add to that. I think you pretty much nailed it on the head. It's just, you know, it's got a lot of issues. It's too subjective, and it's too much brand recognition. But I don't know if it's ever going to change. Yeah, it's just the committee. It's how it's built. Um... You know, with the BCS, the complaint was computers. You shouldn't have any. It should be all humans. They get all humans, and it's, well, right. you know, maybe have some computers in there. I mean, it's just, it's the way it is. That's how college football is built, and that's where it's going to go. Uh, ESPN1420.com. You're listening to the great sketch show. We're visiting with Chris Lano, Raging Cajun analyst, um, Raging Cajun basketball coach Bob Marlin, going to join me later this morning around 8.15. Talk about the win last night against the LSU Alexandria Generals. We will dig into that. Uh, Going to visit with Ralph Malbro here in just a couple of minutes on the Saints. Um, uh, you know, folks are asking me, Chris, can the Cajuns still get into a New Year's Six? Is it is it impossible? No, but I would put it at about a ninety five percent, maybe ninety eight percent chance of just not happening. You need a lot of dominoes to fall, and it probably still wouldn't be enough. Whether that be um, 
Tulsa beating Cincinnati, but it just being a sloppy game overall between the two. Cajuns beating mm-hmm. Coastal. Iowa State looking good. Other teams up high, just all the all those G5 schools just kind of looking mediocre late in the season. Um, maybe you get in that way. Maybe it's Cincinnati somehow breaking through to the college football playoff. But 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 I just that has less of a chance of happening for all the reasons you just mentioned. The reality is, you know, and, and, and finally, it was good to see Keith Gill talk to Tim Buckley and, and actually read about the Sunbelt Conference commissioner saying he's pushing hard for, you know, perhaps Coastal if they go undefeated to get into a select six game. So it's good to at least uh, hear from him in that regard. But as far as the Cajuns go, it's just, look, right now focus on winning the conference and then whatever bowl game it is, whether that's Christmas Day or the day after, that's likely how it's going to play out. Last question for you. Chris Lano has been our guest. How do you get the win against Coastal Carolina a week from Saturday? What's the biggest key? And do you think they do it? Because Coastal, as we've seen, man, they hadn't lost yet. They've handed the Cajuns their only loss this year. They just beat a really good BYU team. They're at home. It's going to be cold. Give it to me. How are the Cajuns going to get this win? Do you think they can do it? Oh, man, i tell you what I hope. and I, I don't know what your schedule is going to be like. I don't know if I will have the opportunity, but I hope I have an opportunity to talk with you next week about this as we get closer because we all know uh, it's all going to be contingent upon what COVID says about this, contact tracing. We have no idea who's going to be in, who's going to be out. But, Scott, I, I think you would agree with me on this. The X factor of this game, and, and for people who don't understand what X factor means, it means if the player plays well, we win. If he doesn't play well, we lose. It's Levi Lewis. It falls on his shoulders. I think the defense is going to show up that they have shown all season long. You know, it's whether Levi Lewis, who has been shaky early on in games, I don't know if he's really had a fast start uh, throughout this entire season in, in the first half. Maybe, uh, I guess, the Monroe game. But then again, you're playing possibly the worst team in Division One football. I, I don't even know if that counts. But you know, he, he's been shaky, to, you know, very rusty to start off these football games. We got to get off to a fast start, and we got to find a way to, to uh, contain McCall on the other side. So you know, let, let's see as we get closer to the game because they still have to play this week against Troy. You know, and anything could happen in that game with Coastal Carolina. So. Uh, but right now, I like our chances because of the simple fact that the last time we played, they beat us, so we get a little bit of that, of that revenge factor going into the uh, in a couple weeks. So I, I like that the mentality of that. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, we got a long way to go. They have another football game to play. Fortunately for us, we get the rest, and I think that also factors in. That plays a huge benefit for us. Uh, having a couple extra weeks to prepare for. Chris Lano has been our guest at ChrisLano96 on Twitter. Lano is L-A-N-A-U-X. Appreciate the time, my friend. All the best. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? Take care, bud. We'll talk some Saints football next. Ralph Malbro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, my friend, also of WWL-TV. He's got... Great takes on the Saints. I call him a Saints historian, and uh, we'll talk about our early Saints memories, but more or less a lot about this team, Taysom's biggest issue right now and biggest concern for the Saints when they do reach the playoffs. It's all coming your way next right here on ESPN1420 and .com.